Okay, uh, hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. I'm looking at Job chapter 5. Uh, Job chapter 5. And just a reminder, this is Eliphaz's sermon. Uh, Eliphaz's response to Job about how good God is and how bad <laughs> Job is. So here he goes, Job chapter 5. Call now. Is there anyone who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? So it's kind of saying, Job, no one is on your side. Now, who are you going to call to support your cause? Nobody, none of the angels will come to defend you. Verse 2, surely vexation kills the fool and jealousy slays the simple. So he's calling Job a fool. He's calling him stupid, simple, because he's vexed. You know, he's asking questions like a stupid person. Why is God punishing me? Only foolish people ask these questions. So that's the implication of verse 2. Verse 3, I've seen the fool taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling. That's kind of like what Eliphaz is, is doing now and trying to cut off this foolish talk at the root. Verse 4, his children are far from safety. They are crushed in a gate and there is no one to deliver them. So it's almost saying that's why his children suffer is because he's saying all these stupid things. And it's implying that Job's children suffer what he did. You remember they were killed in that, you know, that, that typhoon, that wind that blew down the walls and crushed them. And for Eliphaz to talk about his children crushed at the gate, it's saying, you killed your kids. And this foolish talk, it overflowed in terms of God's judgment on you, it overflowed on them. And that's why they died. You know, what a horrible thing <laughs> to say to someone at, at their funeral, you know, while they're grieving. This is someone who is just trying to score points and who is being so insensitive towards a friend. Verse 5, the hungry eat his harvest and he takes it even out of thorns and the thirsty pant after his wealth. For affliction does not come from the ground, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, but man is born to trouble as sparks fly upwards. So that's interesting. So it's talking about the source of all this trouble. You know, it doesn't grow naturally. It doesn't sprout from the ground. Trouble, you, you, you don't find these troubles just springing up from agriculture. But, he says, it springs up from man, verse 7. You know, trouble is born from inside of us, meaning if we experience trouble, we cause this. We deserve this. And he compares it, verse 7, to sparks that fly upward. So if you go to a campfire, again, you know, you burn the logs of wood and then you see sparks of fire. And it's very natural, you know, because it flies upwards together with the smoke. It says that natural occurrence is describing the natural occurrence of sin in our hearts. We naturally produce all these sinful thoughts and actions and words that then bring trouble to ourselves. Again, talking about Job, <laughs> uh, meaning, you know, you brought this upon yourself. You need to recognize, you need to recognize that we all have this inside ourselves and you seem to be forgetting that, Job. Verse 8, as for me, I would see God and to God would I commit my cause. Piece of advice from his friend, you know, turn back to God, seek him.
Verse 9, who does great things and unsearchable marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the field. He sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. So remember that God is good. You know, this whole section is talking about God and how he gives rain on the earth, sends waters on the field. He is constantly showering us with his grace and especially towards those who are humble. You know, he sets on high those who are lowly, those who mourn are lifted to safety. So accept with humility you know, the state that you're in and God will see and God will lift you up. There's a lot here that is true, very good, very complimentary of God. But then he turns around and says, verse 12, he frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their own craftiness and the schemes of the wily are brought to a quick end. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope at noonday as in the night. So you pull it together, there's this very simplistic very simplistic view of how God operates in the world. The good guys he blesses, the bad guys, the proud guys, the guys who think they're very, very smart <laughs> and the devices of the crafty, he frustrates, he judges, he doesn't allow them to be blessed, he curses them. So it's a very simplistic view that if you're blessed, you're humble, if you're being judged, well, you know, you're one of the bad guys. So Job, you know, which are you in? kind to imply that, hey, the reason why you're judged, it's because you're sinful. And he's operating backwards. He doesn't have any evidence to accuse Job of wrongdoing, but simply because Job is suffering, simply because he's being cursed, simply because his business isn't doing well, simply because he has this illness. What did you do? What did you do <laughs> to deserve this from God? And uh, we need to be very careful of that. Mm, you know, it's one thing to say that, you know, our sinfulness, our pride, you know, us thinking ourselves better than God will lead us to destruction. That's one thing. But it's the other, another thing to infer it the other way around. Aha, you're in this trouble. Therefore, you did something wrong. It's kind of like a parent, <laughs> um, you know, who immediately accuses their kid, you know, who brings back this bad report card or gets into trouble or comes up with a black eye. What did you do? You know, before going, hey, you know, what happened? Or asking for that person's perspective. You immediately assume guilt because um, I guess you want to be right. Eliphaz here wants to trump Job in terms of his arguments. He wants to argue his way uh, into defending his position, into defending God even and his justice and his mercy against Job. Uh, where are we? Verse uh, 15, but he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor have hope and injustice shuts her mouth. This phrase, uh, verse 16, the poor have hope, injustice shuts her mouth. That's very interesting because it's a way of telling Job to shut up. Injustice shuts her mouth. And it's the idea of when you see something that doesn't quite make sense. Because remember, again, he has a, his idea of justice is very simplistic. Justice means, you know, God only ever blesses the right people, only ever judges the bad people. But what happens when you see things going wrong, <laughs> when there is injustice? Well, his advice is don't say anything. Injustice shuts her mouth. You know, if you're poor, if you're 
languishing, if you're being oppressed, keep quiet. Just wait. We forgot to do something. Don't say anything yourself. But if you see something wrong, hey, don't make too much noise. Job, you know, you're talking out of turn. You're not sounding very Christian. Injustice shuts her mouth. You should shut your mouth. And that's the implication of verse 16. Verse 17, behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. You know, it sounds, um, sounds very Christian again. You know, this is a discipline, discipline teaching moment from God. Don't despise it. Learn from it. Repent because of it. Verse 18, for he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. He will deliver you from six troubles. In seven, no evil shall touch you. So in six troubles, meaning again and again and again and again, you know, God has always been faithful. He's been saving you. Every time you get into trouble, you call to him, he saves you. And then the seventh time, you know, if you call out to him, um, no evil shall touch you. So talking about the end, you know, here you are at the finishing point, Jove. You're at this end of your life, of your blessing. Call out to God and he will save you again. So he's almost giving him this last chance, this perfect opportunity, number seven again, you know, this fullness of this number. You know, allow God to operate in his goodness and bless you again if only you will repent. Verse 20, in famine he will redeem you from death and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the lash of the tongue and shall not fear destruction when it comes. At destruction and famine you shall laugh <laughs> and shall not fear the beasts of the earth. So here he switches from talking about God to talking about you. You, you, you. You will be hidden from the lash of the tongue. You won't be scolded. And you shall not fear destruction when it comes. You're, you're, you're defended. Um, and you shall be strong. You know, you shall be in league with the stones of the field. Verse 23, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. Your friends will be strong, you know, with the stones, a symbol of strength, immovable. And then all these beasts who are so terrifying, they're your friends. So how do you get to this position of strength, of, um, of defendability, of, you know, fearfulness? Uh, well, um, you need to turn back to God, you know, and then you'll be blessed again. That's his reasoning. Verse 24, you shall know that your tent is at peace and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. You know, you know all your assets are there. No one's stolen anything. Everything is secure in your bank account. Verse 25, you shall know also that your offspring shall be many and your descendants as the grass of the earth. You shall come to your grave in ripe old age like a sheaf gathered up in its season. Behold, we've searched it out. It is true. Hear and know it for your good. Yeah, and that's the end of Job chapter 5. Uh, it's a very simplistic sermon about the good and the bad. You know, the good are blessed, the bad are judged. And therefore, if you're judged, you must be one of the bad people. And so Eliphaz is appealing to Job in his sermon to say that you need to turn back to God. And he says three things. Number one, no one's on your side. Who are we going to call? Verse one, to which of the holy ones? No one is on your side, Job. You're alone in your suffering and you deserve this. Number two, you know, God 
only does the right thing. You know, he frustrates the wicked, he blesses the humble. And therefore, this world operates in this very simplistic way of justice, according to Eliphaz, that only good people um, make it in the end. Only good people are blessed by God. And there's no such thing as unjust suffering. And he says, verse 16, injustice shuts your mouth. So when you do see something like that, don't say anything. It's not your place to malign God by accusing him of allowing this injustice to happen. And finally, he promises prosperity. It's a kind of motivation. You know, you will prosper again if you turn back to God. And therefore, the reason why you're not prospering now is because you're, you, you haven't repented. You've done something wrong to deserve this judgment. So it's very simplistic. Sounds almost very Christian. Very, very reductionistic view of who God is and who we are and how this world works. And you only need to look at the world to see that this really isn't true. <laughs> there is injustice. There are people who suffer even though they don't deserve it. And there are people who do the wrong things, who oppress others, who think themselves almost like God, and they get away with it. That's actually the way that the real world works. But um, here is someone who, well, to give him some credit, he is trying to defend God. He's trying to defend God's honor, speaks of God in a way that's almost cartoonish. That is just wrong and doesn't have any application to the world whatsoever. But more than that, here is someone who is just being a bad friend. He doesn't, um, doesn't see the suffering that Job is going through, doesn't acknowledge it, and adds to it even, accuses him of this wrongdoing. I think the hardest verses to read are the ones about him being foolish. You know, verse 3, I've seen the fool taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling. Here is his justification for cursing Job. You're a fool, and therefore I have to curse you. And it's that kind of motivation in our hearts where we see someone talking out of turn, maybe even in church, and we think, hey, this guy is being foolish, and that suddenly gives us that motivation and that justification to curse that person. Whenever we do that, you know, we are being Eliphaz. You know, verse 4, his children are far from safety, they are crushed in the gate. You know, cursing someone's children uh, in order to score points, especially when their children are, you know, have experienced difficulty. You know, Job's children died. Okay, so <laughs> that's the ultimate difficulty, ultimate judgment. And blaming the parent for this, saying that's why, you know, this judgment came upon them. You now, this is ultimate callousness and ultimate blindness towards God's justice, but also towards um, people's suffering and not seeing how the gospel is meant to bring comfort and hope and um, helps us to point towards God in a way that we see Him as precious and will make us despise Him even more. Yep, so that's Job chapter 5. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this sobering <laughs> sermon. I'm not sure whether we should thank you for this, but I will because I think um, this is the kind of message that we are tempted to speak to a world when we, we are blind to their suffering, when we just want to score points, when we just want to sound holy and right, when we just want to say our peace of mind. 
and we don't realize that people are suffering, they're questioning, uh, maybe even you, about real things that are happening in their lives, and that there is a real satisfying answer in Jesus. Lord, help us always to come to the cross, to see their um, injustice and unfairness and angst and vexation brought and poured out on Jesus Christ, who cried out before you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, help us to see that he takes this upon himself and help us to find that satisfaction from seeing that he takes our suffering and gives us his blessing, his joy, his satisfaction in you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>